0: Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 461 Integration of Psychology and Christianity. I hope you listen and enjoy. Hi, welcome to Unit 4. Today we're going to be talking about theoretical integration. In the last unit, we talked about worldview integration. This time, we're going to talk about theoretical integration. In addition, we're going to give a brief overview of the levels of explanation model and the integrative model. Now, you should have already read the chapter on levels of explanation, and then for this week, the integrative model. We're going to talk about both of those at the end of this unit. And so um, I like how your book describes these: uh, the theory versus the worldview. If a worldview is the window we look out of to see the world, a theory is what we see when we look out of that window. They're the formulations of what we believe to be the case about something. Um, Our worldview is that foundation. The theory is how we're explaining it. There's been so many attempts, um, especially from the 70s and afterwards, that have tried to come up with models for integrating Psychology and Christianity, and they start with what's called these large grand narratives, these theories, and that's going to be important. We talk about postmodernism in a second, but most of the early models use three to five categories to group approaches together, and you're going to find they're very similar to the five um, categories we use today. Um, we have the non integrative, that would be like your biblical counseling or your um, potentially levels of explanation. You have your manipulative, which would be like integration where we're trying to make things fit or your non-manipulative, which could also be levels of explanation. You have your reinterpreter, your limiter of science, your humanizer of science. Larry Crabb, he had his categories called like nothing buttery, separate but equal, toss salad and spoiling the Egyptians. And your book gets much more detailed into those. I'd encourage you to read them Um, But essentially in all of these, it's very much overlap in the five categories that you see um, and what influence that psychology and Christianity have on each other. So one of the things that's interesting is that we see that science engages in integration. It's not just integration of psychology and Christianity, but it's different scientific theories that science tries to blend together and so it's called the psychotherapy integration movement or the PIM and it uses multiple theories to explain things as opposed to just one Um, and there's a lot of reasons for this one of the one of the big reasons is that no one's landed on one theory that best explains everything about man and so most people recognize that there strengths with a lot of different theories and that we might need more than one theory to fully explain things. And so you see this PIM happening even in the secular world. And so one of the methodologies that they use is transfer transforming concepts from one system to another system or what's called common factors. In other words, it's these things that are present across the board across theories and seeing those common factors in play to then help with integration. And then assimilation is using one theoretical position or structure, but utilizing techniques from other theories. And so I might have a cognitive behavioral perspective, but I might use something from like narrative therapy to help within my cognitive behavioral theory. And so the rationale is that most therapeutic benefits therapeutic approaches show some benefit. One model is too limiting, and there's so many common factors. And so this is just important to see that even in the secular world, we see a lot of integration. Now, Hathaway and your house also start talking about postmodernism. So remember, in modernism, the sh- the there was a shift from the religious um, and the science being very blended together to the objective truth. But then postmodernism comes along and begins challenging the idea of knowing objective truth. They would say that even if objective truth exists, we can't know it or can't be sure that we know it because reality is socially constructed. And each person has their own interpretation of the same data. So objective truth can't possibly exist. Remember a few minutes ago, we were talking about how theories are trying to create these grand narratives, right, to explore human nature. Well, postmodernism is trying to abandon these grand narratives and looking more at these individual stories. And it's attempting to humanize science. And so, can we know objective truth? And that's the big question that we talk about with postmodernism. And this is fitting to be in the theoretical domain. You could put it under worldview, but it's fitting to put under the theoretical domain because this is then going to get into the application next. But can we know objective truth? And, you know, I believe that we can maintain some type of of objectivity while recognizing that maybe we don't get everything right. Scripture too often speaks about how we should know God. And the implication is that we should objectively know Him, not just have some subjective interpretation. Scripture is very clear that we should know God, we should experience God, that we can know Jesus, that we can have faith in Christ and have a saving faith in Christ that leads us to salvation. And so because of that, can we know objective truth? Yes. But will we get some things wrong? Absolutely. And so this brings us back to that spirit of humility that we talk about. When we're looking at um, just our limitations as human beings. And so Hathaway and your house state that theoretical integration is a hermeneutical process. Hermeneutics is simply the knowledge per- pertaining to interpretation. We usually see this in relation to scripture. Hermeneutics in the Christian world is essentially the interpretation of Scripture. And different books are interpreted are interpreted differently because there's different genres. You have narratives, you have poetry, you have apocalyptic literature. There's all different types of genres, and so we interpret them differently based off the genre of literature that it is. And just the same, different models of integration may be needed depending on the situation. So on the next slide, you'll see a chart that's in the book that I have recreated for you. Um, But psychological findings may closely follow scripture, allowing for translating concepts from one to the other. But other times there might not be as much overlap and transform transformation is not advised. If conflict does not exist, they may simply inform the other. And so we can see how it's an interpretation process. We get get the data. Do we do transformation? Do we not do transformation? Do we sit in tension? Or do we simply allow things to be informed? You can see that on this next slide here. We have the assimilation. You can see how you have the two circles um, under assimilation and how there's not overlap. They're just simply informing and adding to an understanding. And then we have that potentially productive tension where there is some overlap and yet some not, um, some data that doesn't overlap well, and it might produce some tension. And if we sit in that tension long enough, sometimes we carry the potential for, pro- for productivity and growth. And then there's the expanded horizon, this fusion of the two. And so... Here you can see assimilation is the simple act of understanding the other perspective, but no transformation has occurred. You can see that on the slide. You see the two circles are not crossing over each other. They're simply informing. With productive tension is when data appears to initially conflict with worldviews. But we can't abandon our current worldview too quickly because, (coughs) excuse me, the new data could be faulty. It could be that we're wrong about something, but what we're seeing could also be faulty. So we just need to sit in the tension and appreciate that tension. The tension can eventually bring about growth after um, appropriate consideration. Then expanded horizon. When a truth from one perspective is adapted successfully with a previously existing worldview. So what Yarhouse and Hathaway are are stating is that it's a hermeneutical process, and because of this, there might be times where we need all three of these. There might be times where we just simply let the other inform, but no transformation happens. Sometimes we have that productive tension, and sometimes we are able to successfully adapt a truth from one perspective into our worldview to either change or morph or to solidify a worldview. And so our big takeaways is that, one, we need guidance from the Holy Spirit. This gets back into our own personal growth and transformation. And um, Hathaway and your house are going to emphasize this in the last chapter of their book when they talk about um, personal integration. We have to have guidance from the Holy Spirit, though. We have to seek out God's truth and be willing to have our beliefs challenged. And be patient with tension. We don't have to immediately resolve that. It's okay to sit in tension for a little bit. But keep up to date with leading researchers and authors and reading good authors and writers and not just the people who tend to say the things we want to hear and staying connected with other Christian professionals. And so that's the theoretical, an overview of the theoretical integration domain. Uh, we're going to look briefly at levels of explanation and at integration models. So we've talked about this briefly, but I just want to expand on it just a little bit. The levels of explanation model sees reality as a multi-layered reality. Um, the, your Johnson book states, I can perceive another person as an aggregation of atoms, an open biochemical system in interaction with the environment, a specimen of Homo sapiens, an object of beauty, someone who needs whose needs deserve my respect and compassion, a brother for whom Christ died. All are true and all are mysteriously and all mysteriously in that one person. In other words, that's the different levels. There's the at, the atomic level, there is the biochemical level, there is the relational level. There's all these different levels that you can see. this next slide here, we have the integrative explanation with theology, philosophy, and as it goes down, it becomes more and more scientific and elemental, all the way down to physics, and so psychology is right there in the center, and we see how it's just the different levels of explanation. So, each level can inform, but they're not necessarily transforming. So, It determines which perspective is important at the moment. For example, if you're considering love, a physiologist may describe the physical arousal. A social psychologist describes different traits. A theologian describes God's love. And the context then provides which perspective is most important. And for a lot of things, this model can work really well. However, you will run into some conflict. For instance, with things like LGBTQ issues, or issues like abortion, all the things that typically cause people to get upset, you'll start to see a little bit more tension with, with the levels of explanation. view. Um, levels of explanation affirms that each level is prone to error And research methods, error, bias, understanding, that we have to be careful in all the different levels, not just one. Now, some criticisms. Um, the idea, so in the, in the Johnson text, it talks about how beliefs guide perceptions. It's essentially self-defeating. It, it leads to an integrative approach instead of a levels of explanation approach because our beliefs, our worldview, is guiding how we interpret things, which means that it's actually not bias-free. In addition, the model only works if psychology and Christianity are completely separate, with no overlap, and both sides are free of values and biases. And typically speaking, science tends to inform Christianity, but not the other way around. And I'm not saying that it never happens with anyone with levels of explanation, but typically Christianity is not informing science as much as science informs Christianity. And it also just doesn't get into deeper theological issues. And so um, one of the uh, authors giving a response for levels of, of explanation Talks about how the well doesn't go deep enough. Says it's a twenty-foot rope into a well that's eighty feet deep. And so that's the probably the biblical counseling um, response is that the uh, they just don't go deep enough with theological issues. Now with integration, this is the integration model, not just general integrating of psychology and Christianity, but it is trying to both acknowledge the lordship of Jesus and that every element's under his authority. And it's also looking at science. Um scripture's the foundation for psychology, but the integration model does not see that science, that mean that scripture provides all knowledge for understanding man. In other words, it's just not exhaustive. For instance, it doesn't inform us about schizophrenia or the impact of heart disease or even all mental health issues. The psychology is one field that helps support and build our knowledge and understanding of man. So integration is then trying to take science and Christianity or theology, and it's trying to see how those blend or don't blend Um It's our living out in this particular area of lordship of Christ over all of our existence by giving his special revelation, God's true word, its appropriate place of authority and determining our fundamental beliefs about and practices towards all of reality and towards our academic subject matter in particular. So, um, criticisms of the integration model. From a biblical counseling perspective, their biggest argument is that integrationists equate scientific research with the practice of therapy. Um, they believe each is separate with their own assumptions. Modern psychotherapy doesn't point back to Jesus, and any model that begins to is moving towards biblical counseling and away from mod- modern psychology, modern psychotherapy, or psychology. Um, in other words, there is a uh, a large gap between the research and the practice. And just because the research gives us one thing, doesn't mean we should then apply that. And anything that then attempts to Christianize it is actually a move towards biblical counseling and away from science. And so they don't see that as um, a true integration at that point. Um, And in addition, there's a large gap between the strictly defined religious topics mentioned by the integrationists and the scientific data that integrationists say the Bible doesn't address. Biblical counseling sees their work as that gap in between. In other words, things like schizophrenia or child development are much more medical, but where biblical counseling is trying to address is the heart and soul of man. And that's more of the medical, clinical side of things. And so um, there's a a lot of criticism with that. One that's not on the slides, but it's probably worth mentioning is simply that it's pretty easy to do bad integration. Um, there are a lot of really people a lot of clinicians out there who are kind of lazy with it, if we're being honest. And it's really easy to do bad integration. So we have to make sure that if you want to do an integrative approach, that we're staying true to scripture, that we're still holding scripture in the highest authority, and that we are doing integration well. So in this unit, we explored early integration models. Again, not very much, but you read your book. They're covered in much more detail in the Hathaway and Yarhouse book. We talked about the psychotherapy integration movement. We talked about the impact of postmodernism and can we know objective truth. We talked about theoretic, how theoretical integration is a hermeneutical process. And finally, we reviewed the levels of explanation and the integration model. So, for this unit, make sure, as always, read your books. Um, read both books, the Johnson book and the Hathaway in Your House book. Make sure you are answering your discussion questions. Make sure you're completing your quizzes and continue working on your research papers. And if you have any questions, make sure that you are staying in contact with your professor and ask all the questions that you have to make sure that you can be successful. Stay on schedule and have a great day. Thanks.